Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna and they them pronouns, the designated hype person here at MCP. And I'm joined by MCP's program manager for teacher implementation and a former implementer in her middle school math classes, Kendall Giacomini. Welcome, Kendall. Hi, Tony Rose. How are you? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so exciting to be in this space with you. Thank you for your patience with getting your last name correctly, because uh, clearly I'm a little rusty and that's okay. Thank you again for saying yes to the podcast. And so before we get started, what is bringing you joy currently? Uh, you know, I am planning a little European vacation this summer, um, but what's bringing me joy about that is that I, I have some friends who are abroad who I haven't seen in five plus years. So I'll be able to reconnect with them finally this summer. So that that's bringing me a lot of joy thinking about how that's going to play out. And I feel like you're planning it all out now, which I think is such a typical teacher response. And I love that for us so much. Um, where are you going in, in Europe all around? Um, the person I'm going with wants to go to Poland and then Budapest, which has my heart and soul. Uh, beyond that, probably, I don't know, probably go to Stockholm. I have planned out most of it, but this is the part where I'm like, ah, we'll figure it out <laughs> when the time comes. Yes, I love that. I love that. I love that. I mean, it's definitely like the exploration piece and, and not planning, right? That makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for, for sharing your joys currently. Tell us more about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. Yes, so speaking of... Uh, going to Europe. I actually started my teaching career in Stockholm. So that's kind of where that joy of travel um, and exploration comes from. Great experience. I was there for two years and then I moved back to Minnesota, which is my home state. Uh, Minnesota, as we call it. However, there is no snow currently on the ground, which is very, very odd. Um, but I, when I came back, I went right into fourth grade teaching and I loved I really cannot express how much I loved that job. Uh, I, I There wasn't one day where I did want to go into work. I loved it. I loved the school. I loved my colleagues. I loved the kids. Um, and so something happened, which was COVID <laughs> and distance learning, uh, which, you know, was was challenging. Um, and that, that second year that I was there, which was, what would that be, 21, 22, no, 2021 was the first year that um, that second half we went to distance learning. And that was also the same year that our district said, hey, there's this modern classrooms project program that we want you to check out. And full transparency, I was not on board. I was like, I'm not I'm not doing this. Here's another initiative that we're going to have. It's going to end in a year or two. Like it's not it's, it's going to be like it didn't even exist in the first place. Um, fast forwarding to today, <laughs> my district is still partnering with Modern Classrooms, wonderful, and is one of the oldest, oldest partners. So I guess I have to admit that I was very much incorrect on that part, but that's okay. Um, so they wanted us to go through the free course first. Uh, and then after that, they would send us through the 
summer virtual mentorship program. That was 2021. I tell you what, those first few modules in the free course, I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm never going back to doing anything other than this because it just made so much sense to me. And as I was going through it, I had wished that I had had that experience as a student, um, that I could be in that type of classroom because I'll soon explain. I, I was ended up being a math teacher, but I hated math hated math with a passion when I was in school. And it's because I I didn't get it as fast as other people. And so I wish that I had had that time and space to kind of self-pace. But anyways, um, yes, I was there in fourth grade for a few years. I partially implemented the model that my last year there because we were still distance learning and I wasn't quite sure how that would play out in that space. And then after those three years, I went to middle school math, middle school math. Um, The best, the best place. (laughs) I loved it so much. And that was when I decided, all right, we're going full force. Just gonna, just gonna dive into the deep end here, uh, which was challenging because it was a new school, same district, new school, a grade level I had never taught. They had just adopted a new curriculum. I was like, we're just going to do it all. Why not? You know, crash and burn. That's fine. Whatever. Like, let's just, let's just give it a shot. And it was the best decision. It was absolutely the best decision. I had sixth grade and then some sixth graders who were doing seventh grade standards. So there was a a mix of both. And one of my classes actually was split. So half the class was doing sixth grade standards. The other half was doing seventh. But the model made that possible because I wasn't having to stand in front of them and like, okay, now we're going to do a sixth grade lesson. Now we're going to do a seventh grade lesson. They were able to just keep working through those standards themselves uh, independently. So the model really made that possible. It was either that or have a class of 14 and then have other classes of 32, which just wasn't going to happen for me. That I, I refused. So when I was implementing the model with my sixth and seventh graders, uh, I had this feeling of finally feeling like an effective teacher. I think prior to that, I had felt like I wasn't doing anything uh, or at least not reaching everybody that that I wanted to reach. And so this made me feel like I finally was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, And, you know, from that point on, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm never going back. I will never, ever, ever go back unless we, you know, the Wi-Fi goes down or something, then I'll have to like transition. But other than that, no, I was like, this is this is my choice from now on. Kendall, I, I learned so much about you just the last like three minutes that you were speaking because <laughs> listeners, I actually got to see Kendall in action in her sixth grade math classroom. And I was just in awe of like just how much your class functioned without you. Like students kind of just knew what to do. And I believe it was like the start of a unit too. And so it was like the students just kind of, they just picked up where they left off and it was just beautiful. Uh, and so I was really, I was really amazed and, and quite pleased with like just how students were just self pacing and understanding what was happening. And, and to think that, you know, I, you know, you said new school, new curriculum, new grade, and then you had a mixed one. And so this is, this is perfect because you're the perfect guest for today's um, episode because I often hear a lot in the community, how do you, do this with all of that, right? Like 
there's a new curriculum. I'm going to a new school. I'm teaching a new grade. Like, how can I continue to implement this classroom? How do I make this sustainable for me? Right. Um, and I think I really, I appreciate, I appreciated your realness, first of all. So thank you for just being real and just saying like, nah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and then understanding like, oh, wait a minute, this is actually what I needed. Uh, so thank you for the realness, because I, again, that's something that I hear a lot as well. And I mean, as teachers, we're tired, right? Like we're, inundated with so many new things and there's no follow-up, no accountability. And it's just kind of like, you know what, cool, thanks. And then I'll just keep on keeping on doing whatever I'm doing. And so the realness here is really appreciated. And I know that our listeners can definitely relate um, and feel really validated with with those statements that you shared. And and just like you, I also felt like with this model, I was able to reach my students. Now, mind you, I implemented this my 10th year of teaching. And so reflecting, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't do as great the last nine years. Oh no. <laughs> um, and I also just kind of thought about, you know what, like, the last nine years of teaching for me prior to the model, it was a lot of fun. Like I still cultivated those relationships. I just couldn't, I didn't know how to reach my students academically. I knew how to reach them personally, but I didn't know how to reach them academically. And so this model really just clarified so many things for me, which is often um, the case for a lot of our, our educators who go through our program or find our free course or go, you know, and, and so this is really exciting. And, and um, so for this episode, we're actually going to be talking about like resetting modern classroom. I mean, it's, it's 2024. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It is January. A lot of our teachers, a lot of our educators are still in the, in, um, on break. And so they're going back to school next week. And so, um, in our Facebook group, there are a lot, there are a couple of educators who are asking all the questions now, right? How do we do this in the middle of the year? Right. And, but before we get to that, what are some intentions you have for this year? I mean, you transitioned. Uh, in 2023, you transitioned from being in a classroom to uh, coming into our organization full time. What are some intentions that you have for this year since you're starting this year, 2024, with Modern Classroom? Yeah, this is definitely a learning year. Um, or or start, let's say we started in June. I started really learning um, how to not only be out of the classroom, but how to best be in this role that I'm in. Uh, I have come up with a word for 2024, and that is control, which sounds very negative, but not like controlling in, in a, you know, I need to control everything, but what can I control and what can't I control? And how, how does that play into this role here? Um, because there are things that I have the power to influence um, and things that I don't. And, and those things I have to let run their course and just see how that plays out. Um, provide input where needed. But certainly in this role, since it is a new role for the for the company, um, this is about learning and figuring out where my space is, where other spaces are, how those can connect in a sense. Uh, so my, my word is control, and I'm going to work on not being so <laughs> uptight about what I cannot control, not only in my life, but also in the job. There are just things that you have to let happen. So that's my intention for this year and just learning, hearing from educators, um, making their experience the best for them. I really love that. I, I love also just the fact that you said, you know, it's, it, 
it sounds negative. There's a lot of negative connotation to the word control. And then you pivoted in a way of like, what can I control? Because I can only control me. I can only control these circles, right, that I'm in. Uh, I don't particularly have any control outside of those means. And sometimes I know as, as human beings, right, as educators, as learners, as school leaders, we like to hold on to that control. And then we get really resentful and bitter when we cannot control the actions and thoughts and behaviors of other people. And it's, it's so liberating once we figure out that, oh, wait a minute, we can't control any of that. So I really love this for you. And I'm definitely going to keep in touch with, with your intention and your year, your word of the year, how exciting. And so when you were in the classroom, right, let's, let's, talk about this is January. There are some teachers who have not implemented the model, but want to starting second semester, starting mid-year, right? And so how did you reintroduce the model to your classes in January? Yeah, I think this is a great question because I was thinking about it and I realized that it's really not that different than if I were doing a traditional teaching model. Like I, in January, I would still go over expectations. I would still you know, review, how does this, how do we behave in the classroom? Like, how do we ask a question? How do we do the, all of these things? And so I really took that and those procedures and those questions, and I just made it quote unquote, a modern classroom. Right. So I, um, started with the unit zero again in January, even though I had done a unit zero in when do we start school? September. Um, I, it's been so long. I feel like I can't remember anything. I, I did another unit zero in January, just an updated version of it. So I actually had students more actively engaged in the creation process of the unit zero. So they created unit zero lessons. Um, they were in groups. They made their little videos, which they were super excited about because they had been watching just me for the last, you know, six months or however long it was. And so they got to make their videos. I think we used Flipgrid or something of the sort. That was pretty simple for them to use. They created some practice. They created some mastery checks. So they created pretty much their entire unit zero. And it wasn't that I didn't want to create it for them. But there is something to say about when students explain something back to you that they truly understand what it is they're talking about. And so I wanted them to be able to verbalize those procedures. Do you actually know what we're doing or am I just telling you what we're doing, right? So they created their uh, units and then and then we gave each other, you know, the class, the lessons of their peers. So if the group, one group did something on, you know, turning in mastery checks, then another group would take that lesson. They would watch the video, they would complete the practice, they would complete the mastery checks and then they would peer check. So I really didn't have a huge hand in that, I just kind of gave them the ideas and told them the parameters of what they needed to do. Um, and it was also great because then I could use those student created materials for unit zero for the next school year. So, which was really interesting too, because then my current students got to see my old students explaining how that classroom ran. And it was a whole, you know, process. Um, they had fun with it. I had fun with it. It was great to, to, hear them explaining what they thought the modern classroom or what our classroom was and how it ran. Uh, So it worked really well for me. And I think it was much needed because when you're gone for two weeks, you need a little refresher. Um, And I wanted them to explain to me what they thought. 
Yeah. And that's not just for little young learners, right? Like it is literally for us adults too, if we haven't done something in two weeks and now we're back. I mean, we had a break, right? So now, and, and listeners prior to this recording, I was really struggling <laughs> with setting up the pod, uh, the podcast recording because I was like, Oh my gosh, it's been a month. Right. And so the refresher is really important. And I love this concept of you still doing a unit zero in the middle of the school year. I didn't even think to do anything like that. So I think that that in itself is powerful. And you just saying that students are creating, that's a, that's the highest level of Bloom's taxonomy, right? Like creation. And I also have this mindset of when teachers uh, do less and the students are doing more, that means more learning is happening, right? And so, of course, we're not just like saying, okay, this is what we're doing with no guidelines. Um, it's more so like as educators, we are the facilitators. We do provide those guardrails and we do provide the support so students don't just come up with like the most random things because that can happen as well. Um, and so I think one of the questions that's popping up for me, Kendall, is how long did you um, did you take for unit zero to happen? Like, is that a week? Is it one class? Like the timing, um, because I know our listeners are probably asking about timing too, right? Because, you know, there, there are educators with standards that they need to cover and there are you know, it's spring season, so testing is happen happening. And so how did you create space for unit zero to happen in the middle of the school year? Yeah, this is a very much cliched response, but it was very much a go slow to go fast type of mentality for me. I think in the beginning of the year when I did unit zero, it took a little bit longer. It maybe was a couple of weeks, two, two and a half weeks, um, where we really dove deep into it. Come January, when they were... You know, familiar already with the the model, it was maybe a week. Um, but I would rather, if we needed to, I would have spent more time on it. I would have rather had them take more time than me stop every few days and explain again what the procedures were because that takes up time itself. So I, in the beginning of the year, a little bit longer, but the adapted version certainly just even just a few days if they're really getting into it. I think it depends on your students and if they are able to understand or verbalize back to you what exactly the procedures are. If you're telling me that you like run and throw your mastery check in the trash bin to turn it in, obviously we need more time <laughs> to talk about that. If you can tell me what we're doing, we're good to go. So three days to a week is ideally what, what I was thinking. And I also wanted to add on to if we wanted to have a unit zero for three to four classes, right? I would even highly recommend for educators to do the assignments that they want their students to do. So then as the educator, you know exactly what you're looking for, because this was something that I failed to do when I was in the classroom uh, prior to Modern Classroom. Modern Classroom really pushed me to do all of the tasks that I was putting in front of my students to see how long it would take them to do, to see what misconceptions were uh, that they would run, you know, run across. And so, um, yeah, and once you know exactly what you're looking for, and then you provide examples for students to create what whatever it is that you want them to create, then you don't waste as much time because I definitely wasted a lot of time thinking like, I know exactly what I want in my head, but I never provided that example. And then the students were just like all over the place. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now we have to spend 
the next two or three days um, recorrecting what you just learned or unlearning what you just learned because I didn't have enough guidelines. And so for educators who are like, I don't want to relinquish control, you still have a lot of control in a sense of like how you want your students to show their mastery and also how and what they're supposed to be learning in your class, right? And so, okay, we often, again, right, get get lots of questions about implementing our model mid-year. And so, like you said, if you started in the beginning of the school year, it would take a couple of more weeks. For me, it was four weeks. Like we, re- like you said, we went slow to go fast. We wanted our students to really understand what the model was and what it meant. It wasn't just, you're going to play around and do whatever you want or whatever, whatever time that you have, right? And so for, for, for folks who are starting in January, because we have a couple of educators who, who are finishing up, wrapping up our virtual mentorship uh, program, which is really exciting. And so what are two to three tips that you have for educators who are just now starting out or who wants to start in January, but are either hesitant, afraid, um, anxious about it, you know, which are all valid feelings, by the way. So, um, and, and we want Kendall to just provide some ease for you. So what are some two or three, two to three tips that you have? Those are completely valid. Um, I was also very anxious and nervous to start because this is new. It was new for me, but it's also, we have to remember it new for the students as well. And so this type of learning, chances are, unless you're in a school or a district that a large portion of your teachers are doing this model, chances are they've not experienced this before. And so starting mid-year for the, for our folks who are, yes, finishing VMP, which is very exciting. That's soon coming up, the end of that. Um, number one, and I know people say this all the time, but it's just start slow. Like I said, this is new for you. This is new for students. So don't do what I did. I kind of just like let it all go and hope for the best. Um, I would suggest though, since we are in the middle of the year and students may have gotten into a routine of a traditional teaching method at this point, um, try a mastery check, throw a few mastery checks in there, see how it goes, let students get comfortable. And then might, you, you might throw a progress tracker in, right? So one, one piece at a time. But I also think that in speaking of the unit zero, you can do a unit zero with the standards that you need to teach, um, especially in the in the middle of the year here, you might do some lessons, modern classroom style, but as a whole group, just kind of walking students through how this is going to look and still be covering, right, those thousands upon thousands of standards that we need to get through by testing time, which is what, April. Um, and so definitely starting slow is is a great way to at least dip your toe into the into the waters of modern classroom. Um, but I would also say to remind yourself that nothing is going to be perfect. And, and perhaps this goes back to my word of control, because like you mentioned, Tiara, I, I, I very much when I was teaching was like, I need to have control of this classroom. Otherwise, these students are going to run wild, right? Like they're just going to be all over. They're going to be playing Fortnite and Roblox and watching YouTube and TikTok videos and not actually doing their work. Um, so the, the the control thing is that nothing's going to be perfect and that's okay. It's going to be a learning experience for you and your students. Um, a lot of times we want things to be like super clean and polished when we first do them. And that's just not going to happen necessarily with, with this model. Um, 
And so I think just to keep reminding yourself that I'm going to try this one thing. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. I'll tweak it. I'll try something else. And just continually changing until you find something that does work for yourself, that is sustainable for you, but is also, you know, well laid out for students. Um, yeah, keep keep that thought in your head. This is my first time. I'm going to try this. And if it's not perfect, cool. And if it is, cool. Like, no matter what, it's going to take time. It's a journey. And on a journey, there are mountain ranges and there there are molehills. So just figuring out what's going to work best for you, keeping that in mind that it's not going to just come out and be this beautiful, you know, progress tracker or these beautiful mastery checks. You'll make them as best you can with what knowledge you have, and then you you move on from that. I really love that. And so just to recap, Kendall, and then correct me or add on if I missed anything. Basically, the the two to three strategies and tips that we have for folks is really um, start slow, which we love, right? You don't have to like dive in uh, all at once. If you're not that type of person, it's totally cool to start slow. Um, you can do the model as a whole class so that you can model the model. And so students understand and feel better and alleviate some of that stressors because a lot of the times our students are not used to being self-paced or student-centered or just like have so much accountability for their learning, right? Um, and then, of course, uh, last thing is the, the gentle reminders, right? Just being gentle um, to ourselves and to our students. And there's nothing that's going to be clean and polished, right? Nothing ever. I mean, that could be in the classroom and outside the classroom. If you just start something, it's not going to be perfect the first time unless you're just like an, a, a natural for something, which sometimes happens, right? But for the most part, it requires a lot of practice to gain that progress uh, and, and to be able to be better at it. And and I, I really love all of those. Kendall, did I get all that right? Yeah, that sounds great. You know, it's like I think about when you were saying nothing's going to be polished. It, I'm, I'm learning the guitar, or at least I at once attempted to learn the guitar, and I didn't pick it up and become Prince overnight, right? So <laughs> I, I had to like take my time, and I still didn't figure it out, but eventually I'll get there. Yeah, this is funny too, because I told myself that in 2024, I started actually last month that I wanted to cook more. Now I am not the best at cooking. I will eat food all day long, but the cooking part was not it for me. So I'm trying to perfect the, the sinigang wings that I, um, that are like kind of viral in TikTok. So sinigang is, is this Filipino like dish and you use these spices or, uh, yeah, the thing for wings. And so this is my fourth time today will be, the fourth time that I make these wings because I just keep messing up and I'm like, no, I'm going to get it right. So y'all, it's not just the classroom, right? It is literally just every aspect of our lives. So just keeping that in mind too, like it's okay to mess up. Mistakes are here. Also show that to your students, right? Like, Hey, I'm learning something new. You're going to learn something new. We're going to learn together and it's going to be just fine. Um, a lot of the times I think adults have a lot more anxiety than our students and our students are so um, full of of grace and acceptance of whatever changes are happening. So just keep that in mind. Like things are going to work out. It's going to be great. And if not, you can pivot and make some changes to make it better, right? Uh, it's not the end of the world. And so, um, Kendall, question out of curiosity, how often did you have to make iterations in your classrooms when you were implementing? So like, tell us about like one to two challenges and celebrations that you experienced when you were in the classroom. Short answer is constantly. <laughs> I was constantly making iterations. Um, again, 
I, I, I like to think that I'm type B, but when it came to certain things with teaching, I was 100% type A. It had to be perfect. Um, I'm very visual and I like things to be aesthetically pleasing. And so when something didn't look right to me, my students probably didn't care, but I cared. So I was constantly making iterations. I think in the first half of the first year that I was fully implementing this, those tweaks were bigger. Um, I trashed my videos and, you know, I started over or I completely trashed my progress trackers because I just, again, hated the way it looked. And at that point, I did get feedback from students. And they were like, they were also like, yeah, this, this doesn't look good. Thank you for the honesty. Um, and so those were bigger changes that I had to make. And again, that was in the very beginning of full implementation. Um, like I mentioned before, like with the trying thing, we tried something, it didn't work. Let's try something else. Um and so, yeah, the biggest challenge for me was just finding what would both be sustainable for myself, but also work for my students. Because as teachers, I think the anxiety that you're talking about a lot of times comes from feeling like we need to be perfect for our students. Um, and because we're responsible for these young adults or young, young kids. Um, and that's kind of a lot of pressure at times. And so, you know, I, as much as I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was working for them, I also knew that sometimes what I was doing, I could not sustain for a long period of time. And so trying to find that balance of making it simple enough that I could continue doing it, but making it in-depth enough or detailed enough that it would be clear to students, that was a hard balance to find um, in the beginning. Eventually, you know, we got closer to finding that balance. I, again, I don't think anything was ever perfect. I don't think there was an end point where I was like, I did it. I did a modern classroom. Um, so it was just constantly trying to find that balance. Um, now on the opposite end of that, when I did find procedures and artifacts that did work, um, it was beautiful. It was, it really was just, I don't know how to express this in words clearly enough. And I don't know if I've I probably have said this enough, but in my mind, I haven't said it enough. It just, the model and finding that balance was what kept me in teaching. Um, I, I for sure would have quit far sooner had I not, because what I was doing prior wasn't sustainable, right? So um, they, my students, they became so much more independent when we did find that balance. And when we kind of got into the flow of routines and procedures, um, they became more independent. They, from what they told me, right, <laughs> they enjoyed learning more. I think math is something that a lot of students go into with preconceived ideas, I did too. And I told them this almost every day. I was like, listen, y'all, like I hated math too. Okay. It's okay. But I'm going to try my best to make you not hate it as much as you currently do. And so their confidence in actually doing the math and simply just trying to do the math. That's really all I needed was for them to try. I didn't need them to be perfect or get every answer correct. I just wanted them to try. And so that confidence in actually trying and sharing their work with me was, I mean, it increased tenfold. It really did. And I, I truly believe it was because they had the space 
to not be embarrassed by not knowing what someone else already knew or not asking a question and sitting there confused because they didn't want to show their peers that they didn't understand something. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was my really, the number one celebration was that the confidence. I think everyone knows that at some point, when I say I had sixth graders, the amount of students I had that were would be considered on grade level was not a lot because it's just not. Math is, you know, there's such a range in every subject at this point. Um, and so I didn't expect them to be perfect, um, but I did see them start to have confidence in themselves and confidence in sharing their ideas and collaborating with their peers. So challenge, finding a balance, <laughs> celebration, confidence. Loved it. Yes. And I resonated with so many things that you said as an English teacher, because again, math and English, right, are the two subjects that I think often our teachers stress about, schools stress about, our students stress about. And so that really resonated with a lot of, with a lot of like the things you were saying, it resonated with me. So thank you for sharing. And I, I do, you know, there's this, there's this beautiful thing that's happening in a modern classroom of there's independence and then there's dependence, right? Like the whole, the trust is, is there and students find it, they become braver in working with each other and trusting each other so that they can be successful in whatever it is that they're learning. And I think that in itself is such a beautiful thing, you know, like there's not really a competition of like, oh, I, I got to go all the, you know, like I'm going to make A's all the time. I'm going to be better than you. It's like, no, we're going to make each other better and we're going to work together to make sure that we all understand whatever it is that we're learning. And I know for me, like we think about sixth graders, right? Like, like sixth graders are amazing and they're also a little ridiculous. And so <laughs> they're, they're coming of age and there's a lot of changes happening. And so to be able to sit in a space with someone that they disagree with, but then understand, Hey, I get this skill and I would love to teach you how to get there. But also like, I'm going to joke on you for a little bit because I mean, that's reality. Right. But ultimately I'm here to share my knowledge. And I think, like what a beautiful thing, right? And the challenges and everything that we do as an educator to create this space, it, it just makes it all worth it, makes it all worth it. And also, Kendall, when we were thinking, when we were talking about anxiety because we want to be so good for our students, I think the anxiety also comes, and I, I don't want to not name it, right? But it also comes from the stakeholders' expectations, right? That could be our school leaders. It could be our school. It could be our community. It could be our families and caregivers, right? And so it's there's a lot of pressure that's on us as teachers and we just want to do well and we're scared sometimes that we don't we won't do well right um because of a lot of things that that I, it's just it's just wild out there it's wild out there and so you know educators and listeners like we really just want to say like everything you're feeling is valid right it is okay to be afraid it is okay to be hesitant it's okay to be angry even um and also just understanding that all of that will pass and then once you see and step back like step back and see what your classroom looks like because you've created independent um aware students, right? Um, and collaborative students, like it's just, it's just so beautiful. Like I miss that feeling of just like taking a step back in my classroom and just seeing, oh, like so-and-so just argued like 
outside my classroom, but now they're working together or like, oh, they had a heated moment, but now they're working. You know, it's just, ugh. Okay. Well, listeners, we're going to take a quick break for an announcement. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Kendall's strategies for resetting modern classroom. Calling all Los Angeles educators. My name is Avery Balaspas, your West Coast Partnerships Manager here at MCP. And do we have an exciting opportunity for you? Modern Classrooms Project is thrilled to announce the launch of our second fully funded regional scholarship here in California, the Los Angeles Educator Scholarship. If you've been looking to transform your classroom into an equitable, student-centered space, enroll in our, again, fully funded virtual mentorship program, plus a $500 stipend through MCP's Los Angeles Educator Scholarship. Just go to modernclassrooms.org forward slash Los Angeles to apply today. If you have any questions or want to connect, you can reach me, Avery Belaspas, at avery.belaspas at modernclassrooms.org. That's A, V as in Victor, E-R-Y, period, B as in boy, A-L-A-S, B as in boy, A-S, at modernclassrooms.org. We look forward to seeing your application. Are you an educator who implements blended, self-paced, mastery-based instruction in your classroom? Join the Modern Classrooms community of innovative educators worldwide and receive certified credentials, public recognition, and access to exclusive swag. Hi there, I'm Lisa Doty, and I get to work with educators like you as they begin their teacher leadership journey by applying for the Distinguished Modern Classroom Educator Credential. Applications are accepted on a rolling basis, so you can apply anytime. To get started, navigate to www.modernclassrooms.org forward slash distinguished educators. That's www.modernclassrooms.org forward slash distinguished hyphen educators. We look forward to reviewing your submission soon. All right. And now we're back with Kendall. So Kendall, we often have educators implementing our model on their own, just like you said earlier, right? Like if your school is not implementing it, if you don't have multiple teachers or colleagues who are implementing the model, you are by yourself. And so you're just kind of starting to figure out like what this looks like for you, but also not making it so stressful, right? Like we want to make sure that that our model is sustainable and we also want to provide the community to help you so you don't feel so isolated. And so for our educators who are implementing on their own at their school, how can they get other colleagues excited about the model? This is great because I think there are a large, there is a large portion of people who are doing this by themselves. Um, and whether that be by themselves in just their school or in the district, um, it happens. And so I think number one is inviting people into your space. Um, I remember as a teacher being very hesitant to believe that something worked unless I saw it working. Um, and maybe I still am that way a little bit, but for sure, inviting people in to kind of just peruse your space. Like, how are things actually working in here? What what differences are there between what I'm doing in my space in a traditional teaching method versus what you're doing in your space as a modern classroom? I also would say, though, even more impactful than, than someone just coming into your room is allowing people to talk to your students. Uh, I have been on a lot of visits to different classrooms around the country. And let me tell you, students are honest, <laughs> okay? They are very honest about 
what is going on in the classroom and how they enjoy what's going on in the classroom. And so getting that feedback from the students, I think is the most impactful because they're the ones who are experiencing this, right? Like, yes, I'm doing this for you, but they are the ones who are learning in a new way that they haven't done before, taking independence, like you mentioned, um, having a much higher degree of accountability for their learning. And so if you can hear from students what's going well, um, I think that's the number one way to get people excited because your students are really enjoying this and they're learning and, and you're seeing progress and you're seeing, you know, that their confidence growing. Well, I want my students to do that as well, right? Because that's what we want. We want our students to, to be successful. We want them to feel confident coming to school. And so if, if those conversations are happening, I think that would be a, a really positive way to get people excited. Not saying like you have to do this, but saying like, hey, just come see how it's going, right? Like just see real, real, real day. Come on in whenever and you'll see. Not not a horse and pony show like we do for observations, which I did all the time, right? I made sure I was wearing my best clothes and I, I mean everything. So just like come see real. What, what does a real day look like? What does a real class look like? Yeah. And I was also wondering too, um, cause you know, sometimes folks are like, Oh, can we record it? And I'm like, Oh, but the magic is really being in the classroom because then you really get to have those conversations because I feel like when it's recorded, you don't get to have those interactions. And I think that's what makes it powerful is that you have these interactions with students and literally any student you sit with can tell you what they're working on, what they're supposed to do and how excited they are about this model. Right. I had a student at one time because I, I did um, a couple of classroom observations to last month. And I had this student say, I would be successful in all of my classes if they were run like this. And I was like, okay, that's great. Um, also, how can you advocate for yourself so that your teachers are aware that something like this is happening in other classrooms? Um, and so that your teacher doesn't feel isolated and it's the only one who's doing it. So our students know like, oh, I really like how this is going, right? And and they don't know the words modern classroom, which is fine. Um, and I think like you said earlier too, Kendall, when you heard the word modern classroom, it's like, oh my gosh, it's another thing, right? And so I think when we're talking to colleagues who know nothing about our model, I think it's just really saying like, hey, like I've created, you know, I was able to create a student-centered classroom. I was able to really understand where all of my students are and they get to work on their own pace. That in itself is so much more exciting than saying like, hey, I'm implementing this modern classroom <laughs> model and I think you should come check it out. Because <laughs> um, I know like you as an educator, I'd be like, nah, bro, I don't got time. <laughs> like that's, that's not, I don't want to prioritize that. No, I'm cool. And then also with the reflections too, where students are sharing what they like about how they're learning, not even saying like, what do you like about modern classroom model? No, it's like, how do you like how you're learning now? Um, and having students share that as well. And then being like, hey, like, look at this, like students really enjoy and then sharing your your data as well. That's also really important. And so sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of the times I always tell folks like, you don't even really have to mention modern classrooms. You could just say like, I'm doing this cool thing where students are now literally 
have access to all of the things that can bring the videos home and learn with their care caretakers or their caregivers and their families. Um, and learning just happens naturally and authentically and collaboration is happening. And so that's definitely one way to get them excited. Um, I know time and time too, Kendall, I've heard folks say like, oh, you know, if you have students who are absent all the time, there's this thing that I do. And then that already like piques people's interest, right? Like, oh gosh, like I, I do have students who are absent all the time and I do stress out about catching them up. And so having, you know, looking at what your community, what your school is struggling with and what they find challenging and then like seeing like, how can this model really help with those challenges that we have in the class? Um, and so, invite them in, have those conversations, um, ask all the questions. We have all the resources in the world. And sometimes I feel like, Kendall, we have too many resources. <laughs> um, but what we're here, like we as an organization want to make sure that you have everything that you can. Um, and then just like connecting your folks with us as well. Um, and our community is just like super welcoming. And so Thank you for that, Kendall. Uh, so let's shift now. We're going to talk about your position, right? Like you were an amazing teacher implementing this model. And then now you're here. We kind of stole you away from the classroom. Oh, no. <laughs> and so you said already that you visited a lot of classrooms uh, within the fall semester. And so what does it mean to be a program manager for teacher implementation? And how can our educators work with you? Because again, you know, like our organization has expanded a lot this this past year. And there's a lot of um, folks now in our team, which is beautiful. And so I think a lot of the times our educators don't know like what each of us do, right? And so for me, I'm like, yo, I'm the person that like connects you with other people. Um, and I'm the one that like does the podcasting and the webinars, right? But like, what do you... What what do you do and how can educators utilize you? Yeah, I uh, appreciate your comment about the resources because that was something I was going to mention. We have so many resources and continued support um, for educators after they go through the virtual mentorship program or free course, whatever it is. And so part of what I'm trying to do is figuring out how we can get those continued supports to be a bit more known um, and accessible because implementation, and especially, you know, if you're implementing by yourself in your school or your district, it can be very daunting. Um, and if you feel like you've just gone through, let's say the virtual mentorship program or even the free course, and then you go into your classroom and you're like, okay, what now? Right? Like I've done this. It doesn't work. What do I do now? Um, that's kind of where, I can come in in either supporting you with those questions or guiding you to the appropriate resources that we have available. Um, we don't want anyone to go on this implementation. I'll call it a journey because it certainly is one alone. And I think maybe times people do feel alone in that. Um, and so really my main focus is figuring out what barriers are people having to implementation Um and how do we address those? Whether that be something in the VMP, do we need to change something in the VMP to be a bit more explicit about whatever the content is? Or do we need to, you know, offer some type of program after the VMP to, to continue that 
collaboration between a mentor and a mentee. Um, so figuring out what those barriers are, but also on the other hand, figuring out what the successes are, because I think we want teachers. I think our, modern classrooms does a great job at lifting teacher voices. Um, I mean, I know, I'm sure you can relate as a teacher, if somebody from a, a random company came in and told me to do something and they had never been a teacher, chances are that's going in one year, not the next, right? And so being able to hear from teachers who are implementing this model, what their successes are, and then sharing those out is really, really powerful because they're in it. They're in the thick of it, right? Like they are, they're going through it just like other people who are going through it. So that's really my main role. And of course, yes, I have the, the, the honor of going into so many different classrooms across the States and providing that feedback and providing that support for people who are implementing, whether that be uh, sitting down with them and, and discussing what the barriers are, discussing what, what do they need? Um, because like you mentioned, we have so many resources and supports. Are they meeting the needs of the people who would be using them? Right. So we want to make sure that what we're providing, uh, is going to be useful and it's going to be impactful and it's going to be accessible to everybody. Um, and so that's my main role. I, I do have an implementation support email. <laughs> it's really implementation.support at modernclassrooms.org. Anyone can everyone can reach out to that whenever. And that might be a, you know, we have an email discussion or we can get on a Zoom call or I can guide you to the person who's going to help you the best, connect you with a mentor, whoever it is, um, just to have a listening ear. Or have somebody you can, you know, bounce ideas off of. Um, because as much as we love the collaboration between our students in a modern classroom, we also believe that collaboration amongst teachers is what drives us forward. And so, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, we have incredible mentors and and I'm happy to connect people with those mentors. Even, you know, we have other, we have colleagues who who do implementation support. And so just finding who is going to be the best support for you, what is going to be the best support, how we can make the, support, the supports better um, so that they're being used and that they are effective for our teachers who are implementing this. Yeah, and I also want to say, too, um, if there is a resource that you want, we probably already have it. Uh, and it's better to start with some kind of template rather than starting with a blank slate, right? Because sometimes when we have a blank slate, it takes us a lot of time and energy and effort to figure out what we want. But here in Modern Classroom, we definitely have resources where you're just like, hey, I really want to do this. And one of us will say, oh my gosh, we already have that. Here you go. Go ham. Do, you know, do what you got to do with this template and then let us know how it works for you. And I think another reminder to Kendall, you know, as educators, we always want our students to advocate for themselves. This is a skill that we want our students to have is to advocate for your needs, especially for our students with IEPs and 504s, right? Like you have to know what you need and what you want to be able to learn. And so I push and challenge our educators also to advocate for yourselves. You don't know how many times I like, I can't even count how many times I've gotten emails from educators that are like, Hey, I want to do this. Want to be a thought partner and be like, yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. Or, you know, a teacher would say, I need this. I want this. This is what, what's missing. 
that y'all is making my life easier because I don't have to figure out what you're missing. You are telling me already. So don't see yourself as a burden. You're not burdening us. Like literally tell us what you need and we would be more than happy to try our best to accommodate to whatever it is that you need. So as educators, we tell our students to advocate for themselves. As former educators, we are telling you listeners as educators to advocate for yourself as well. Let us know what we can do to make your life a little bit easier when implementing this model. And we will try our best to make sure that we help alleviate some of those stressors. So with that being said, Kendall, what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have? That's a big question. Um, I think work-related, um, the goals that I really would love to see come to life would just be, again, making these resources better for our educators. Um, you know, from, from the information that I've gathered so far, there are some continued supports that, that aren't being utilized or people don't, people don't even know about, right? And so I would love to make those better seen um, but I would also just just want to see people feel comfortable implementing this um, and feel comfortable asking for help, like you mentioned. Um, I want people, educators, whoever is implementing this model or attempting to implement this model to feel like they can do so effectively and that's a very lofty goal because there are so many people who are implementing this. Um, but I do believe that there are resources that we can provide that we already have access to that we can tweak, like, right. Like we're always tweaking things, um, to make it more, um, well, I'm not sure even the right word, just to make it feel more easy, quote unquote, easy to implement this if you're on your own or if you have other colleagues in your building who are doing this. So a big goal, a big goal. But I, I really just, I appreciate the research behind figuring out what people need. And I want to continue talking to people and just doing what we can to meet their needs. And something that's coming up for me too, Kendall, is that um, our educators get to know who you are as a learner as well. Because again, you are the one delivering and creating this space. So you need to know who you are as an educator, as a human being, to be able to know what to advocate for, right? And so if we think about it, you know, me finding out I'm neurodivergent, I always have to say like, hey, I need this in one pager <laughs> or else it's it's not going to work for me. And so again, just a push, right? And a challenge. Another push and challenge is like get to know yourself so that you can advocate for whatever it is that you need. And I think sometimes that's scary and beautiful, right? And, and that's okay. That's okay. So Kendall, how can our listeners connect with you? Um, on a personal note, you can connect me on Goodreads. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, that's actually beautiful. <laughs> We're going to put your Goodreads account on here. <laughs> I love a good book. I love a good book. You can connect me on Peloton. Got my bike back here. Yeah. Um, I can guarantee that you'll see my little blue dot being lit up every day, but you know, eventually. Um, but on a professional basis, uh, the implementation.support emails is the best email because I check that all the time and it gets routed right to me. My personal email, of course, to kendall.jacomini at Modern Classrooms. I'm happy to connect that way. But also I, I really love 
talking to people in this space, although we can't do it in person all the time. I'm, I love a good Zoom call. You know, I, I enjoy it because we all work remotely and it's great to just have that connection of chatting with people. So any of those platforms, <laughs> I'm happy with. Now I feel like, Kendall, I'm also on Peloton, so we're going to have to connect on that. But I love that because it's not social media. It's literally like, hey, I'm a reader. Here's Goodreads. And then I also use Peloton. So here's my Peloton account. Like, I love that. I am cracking up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing me joy today, Kendall. Listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast.modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 171. We'll have this episode's transcript uploaded by Friday, so be sure to check back to access those. Also, we are asking our listeners to leave a review if this podcast has been helpful in supporting you to create a more student-centered learning environment. It does help other folks find it. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org, and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast.